from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report. I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined this week by our chief creative uh, inspiration, Tom Campbell. Hello, Fenton. Hello. And Blake, of course. Blake Jacobs, our millennial producer. Hello. Um, it's such a quiet... It feels Immediately, it feels so quiet without James here. I disagree. I totally disagree. I think it's not quiet. I think I, I think James doesn't add anything to the show. Thank you. Oh, James, we miss you already. Uh, James taking a much-deserved week, summer's week's vacation. So yes. um, every week we count down the top 10 things that make us go wow. wow. And so without further ado, let's start at number 10. Number 10. I discovered... Um, a documentary that is new. It's in theaters, but it's also playing on Hulu. And it's called Summer of Soul. Have you heard about this? I've heard about it. I don't know anything about it. I think it played at Sundance this year. You probably Did you go to Sundance this year or was it all virtual? Oh, it was this this year was completely virtual. Yeah, yeah but it was I think it played at Woodstock. It is a film. Um, Questlove is attached to it. He's actually the director of the, you know, the band of The Roots and, and, and uh, Snight Show. Um, but it is so much more. In 1969, the same summer as Woodstock, the same time that the man landed on the walked on the moon, the um, there was a Harlem Cultural Festival at the north end of Central Park over like I think like six or seven Sundays in a row, right? And it was shot. It was sponsored by Maxwell House. You know, the, the it was the 60s and, you know, Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Malcolm X, you know, this the film helps put it in the context. There's, you know, all there. And they were so worried. Mayor Lindsay, uh, Mayor Lindsay, right, who was uh, so afraid of, they were just afraid of more heat and more riots and more upset. So they did, they, they, they sponsored this uh, music festival. Maxwell House sponsored it. And they shot the whole thing. This, this gentleman by the name of Hal Tilkin, who had passed away, and it sat in a basement for 50 years because no one would buy it. Oh. And so as, as so many things, as we're becoming more aware and more sensitized, while this was a cultural event, it's like all these moments of black history that were just forgotten. You know, and Questlove says in interviews, I didn't know this happened. Well, let me tell you, and I get the chills talking about it because it is thrilling to see the footage and hear the artistry. Stevie Wonder, 19 years old, playing drums, a drum solo. And, and, and the brilliance of the documentary is they will show the performance, this incredible uh, footage, and then they'll cut in like what had happened like historically. And so this is just mad. And I've never seen Stevie Wonder take the drums, even though he can play every instrument known to man. The Fifth Dimension, hot, brand new. 969 was their year of winning Grammys. There, it's Marilyn, they, they show Marilyn McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. who are still with us, so I'm slightly obsessed about these days, watching themselves in footage that they've never seen before of them performing, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the uh, Aquarius, Let the Sun Shine, you know. And, and they're having moments because at the time they were so proud as black Americans to be representing their people, but they were often criticized by black people for being too white. And Marilyn McCoo's tearing up and like, I can't believe I get to see this. Plus just watching these incredibly young, talented people outside in the sun, just dancing and singing full voice, you know, no, no auto tune, no backtrack, just pure talent. 
also, and, I'll, and Gladys Knight and the Pips uh, perform I Heard It Through the Grapevine. N- Nina Simone performs two songs, including Young, Black, and Gifted. B.B. King, the Edwin Hawkins singers who sing that, Oh, Happy Day, the gospel song. Every There was a Puerto Rican percussionist named Ray Barreto, Blows Your Mind, Max Roach, David Ruffin from The Temptations, after we just left The Temptations, Sly and the Family Stone, Moms Mabley, Jesse Jackson Speaks, Willie Tyler and Lester, the guy with the, with the uh, mannequin. I know I'm going on and on. I apologize, but it's no it, apology. It sounds amazing, but I have so many questions. Like, here. how was it? I, I love these sort of modern archaeology stories. How was it that it was sat in the basement? Like, was it was the film shot and edited and just or was I think it, it was just reels of film? Right. And some of I guess they 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 had they the man had he died maybe in 2017. But before he did, he made people aware of it. When it first came out, he was trying to sell it as the Black Woodstock. Woodstock was this cultural phenomenon that we talk about to this day, and no one remembers this thing, and nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted to buy it. So he said, "Oh, he goes, this will be worth something someday." He sort of thought it's going to be like real estate or, or you know something that you, if you put away eventually someone will want it and before he passed away he made people aware of it and a bunch of other filmmakers whose names i forget and they came to quest love who brought you know his point of view and quest love who is such a just a natural historian of black cultural events and music is like i'd never heard of this and and it also has um this mavis staples and Mahalia Jackson singing together wow. in the most wrenching, you know, and they talk about this, all these facts. So it's not just a concert film, but they talk about, they sing the gospel hymn, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, which was the last thing that Martin Luther King asked for moments before he was like seconds before he was shot. He came out of his hotel room and asked a musician who was traveling with him, play the precious Lord, take my hand at the rally tonight. And bam, he was shot. And they, it's so effective. And, well, and they also they have um, a woman who's a, a reporter for the New York Times then. And she, it was also, just to give a context, was the first time the New York Times decided to use the word black instead of Negro when referring to black people. And just, you know, just all these cultural breakthroughs. It just, it just sets up the time. And the last thing, and I'll shut up and listen, is like there's so much footage of the audience. And the audience are beautiful young fit diverse black people you know it's like it's 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 a freaky thing but it's like it's so rare you see a congregation of black people represented in the media that isn't like a riot or an uprising or an upset it is beauty and it is people getting off on music and the styles and i also said this we, i watched that apollo 11 movie about that documentary and i like part of it i love was just watching the people watching the launch cuz kind of nobody was fat back then <laughs> you know what i mean everybody looked good in clothes they were expressing themselves you know people had natural hair anyway i can't i'll, I'll stop talking but i can't it sounds, stop it, it sounds amazing i mean it's funny when you talk about it cuz it almost sounds like there's enough material there for a series, not yeah. a single film, right? Yeah. Part of me, you can't help but think, boy, things have improved since then for Black Americans, but so many of the issues are still right here, you know? Well, how about um, just the fact that it sat unnoticed for 50 years and no, no one wanted it? Because that, it, the time you're referring to was also the time of Stonewall, right? I mean, it was around, it was just... So it, it's just outrageous in a way that it was 
Yeah. And, you know, uh, Barack Obama has said it. And I, I do parallel it to the gay experience. Like so much has improved for gay people in this country, yet there's so much prejudice and so much hate and so much violence still. And Barack Obama has said, you know, you can't deny the progress we have made, but still the, the, the you know, the race issue and black right. rights are still such a they have such a long way to go. But right. this is this will make you think and make you feel. But oh, just just if you're like a YouTube junkie and like to see performances you haven't seen before performances you've never seen before shot creatively and beautifully anyway thank you for letting me gush oh no can't wait to see it so could where where can we see it summer of soul it's playing in select theaters uh it's also on hulu and uh please please watch very good number nine number nine i saw zola it starts with this line Want to hear a story about how me and this bitch fell out? <laughs> and it just ramps up from there. This girl named Taylor Page plays titular character Zola, and Riley Keough, Elvis's daughter, is granddaughter, seven. granddaughter, 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 Lisa Marie's daughter, right? Yep. Uh, she's. This entire story is the story of. I don't know if you guys remember a few years back. It was 2015, and this woman named Zola released 148 tweets, and it became known as hashtag the story on Twitter. It's the story of this girl who goes to Florida from, I believe, Detroit. She meets this girl who is played by uh, Riley at a Hooters that she works at. And they you go. Got, you've, you've sucked me in at Hooters. You got, you got me at Hooters. Keep going. And she talks. They find out that they both dance to make extra money on the weekend. So she talks her into going down to Florida to make a lot of money with her boyfriend, who is a ditz. And this other guy who she didn't know, but found out later that it was Riley's pimp. <laughs> So the it's told through 148 tweets and the movie used great audio devices. Like when someone likes a tweet, it would that tweet sound would pop up to differentiate the parts that were like verbatim tweets from the, the story that movie made it into the movie. And like when it would tell the time, it would sound like a smartphone going off whenever the time like whisked off of the screen. It was um, really good. It sounds like really, is it a sort of radical film? And who, who's direct? Do you know who's directing it? Is it like an independent film? It sounds. It's, it's, a, it's a, a 24. Yeah. <sighs> and Janiska Bravo is the director. And she, I think is going to be there. Ta- this is a lot of Oscar buzz about this. Well, what Blake, the other headline Blake is, is missing is that T.S. Madison is in it. It's a Hustlers meets Spring Breakers. Yes. And um, the reason I say it was kind of like Hustlers is because there's this one scene where all the girls are around before they go out on stage in the strip club. And this one girl gives a prayer, you know, oh, Lord, please let someone with a big old dick come in here, you know, and brought the house down. Everyone loved her. She may have stole the whole show. And it was Miss T.S. Madison. Yeah. Give her yeah. the, the awards. I haven't seen the a, movie. I've seen yeah. the trailer. And T.S. is very highly featured in the trailer. 
Oh my God, T.S. is going to be a huge movie star. If you were to compare it with a movie, would would it be Spring Breakers? Because that was such a radical movie, I felt. Or well, would it be like Gummo or like, is it? I haven't seen Gummo, but I did think exactly Hustlers and Spring Breakers and Rolling Stone, which did an article about all the tweets in 2015 before the movie was made, said it sounded like Pulp Fiction meets Spring Breakers as told by Nicki Minaj. So, What's not to love about every one of those references? And again, Janiska Bravo, I, I have to, I don't name drop often. Okay, I do it once in a while. But I'm gonna, my, as soon as we're done, I'm getting on a phone call with her because she might want to uh, do something with a show that I know something about. Isn't that crazy? Oh, Small That's world. Crazy. Yeah. Adam, Adam AC knows her. And yeah. So, we're we going to hurry up this show so you can get to that phone call. I know. <laughs> and I was so excited because the Zola thing, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've, I've seen the trailer. I've heard about it. And and independently, Blake watched it and just said, oh, my God, I'm going to talk about Zola this week. So I know it's real. And there's going to be like it's A24. It's going to be Oscar talk about it. It may movie. be my favorite movie of the past two years. I mean, admitting we're just coming back from movies and there hasn't That's been right. that much, but I loved it. It's in theaters now, and I don't think you can watch it anywhere else. So. I might, mm. This might be the movie I go to the theater to see. I still haven't broken my post-pandemic theater Ooh. cherry, if you will. I broke mine the other week, Tom. I went to see Black Widow, which I just loved and raved about on a previous yes, 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 episode. Yes. So. Yeah, you got to break that cherry. It's good. All right, moving on. Um, so that's Hot Flick Zola. That is in movies now. I want to talk about Britney. Number eight. Um, Britney has been in the news a little lately. Free Britney movement has been gaining steam ever since Britney gave a, a shocking um, deposition, I guess, or a, an appearance in court, which was then capped by the judge not um, dissolving the conservatorship, which was also very surprising. I think pretty much the same day that Bill Cosby got exactly let out yeah. of jail. So, you know, the whole thing is crazy. And I, I personally have been very ambivalent about the Free Britney movement because I feel that the the the, the woke mob of Free Britney, I know their intentions are good, but I've I sort of felt that there's been they've been fact free and that I felt that Britney does need some kind of protection. And and I guess rightly people have said yes, but being protected is different from being in this conservatorship. And then um over the weekend, Ronan Farrow. Uh, wrote an amazing piece in The New Yorker all about it, which kind of gives you the whole story and revealed some new dark twists. And then Larry Rudolph, who'd been managing Britney for basically 25 years, except for a brief period during her her blackout breakdown, um, abruptly resigns and says in his resignation letter that he hasn't spoken to or communicated with her in two and a half years which I think would take us back to the time when she was about to announce that new residency in Vegas. And they canceled. Was, it was a very bizarre announcement where she appeared. She didn't speak. She came up through the floor, went straight to the limo and left. And everyone was like, well, what happened here? And then the next thing, the whole residency was, was off. And so it's been a, a, quite a tangled web. And I guess the story is still evolving. But a few months ago, I gave an interview to Tess Barker and Babs Gray whose podcast, Toxic, the Britney Spears story, with preternaturally brilliant timing, dropped today or like a couple of days ago. And um, I've only listened to the first episode. I'm like dreading, you know, 
I don't know about <laughs> you, but I, I find listening to myself pretty torturous at the best of times. <laughs> I'm terrified of what I've said in this. this um, so you're just okay. trying to get out ahead of yourself. I am. I, 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 I damage control. Here, for, the, for the four people that watch the show, they're going to become an army, an Fenton <laughs> army to protect you. I mean, the big headline, too, this past week has been that she has said that she wants to retire from show yeah. business, period, Brittany. Yeah. Um, and her mother also has gone on record for the first time, who's not in the conservatorship, but is an interested party. Um, I, I don't follow it closely enough. It's such a complicated issue. We've talked yes. about this before. I only want the best for her. Yes. It seems that change is going to come one way or the other. And I hope that, you know, it, it still puts her in the best place. You know, I, I have trouble believing with mental illness that there's a black and a white, but if she's, if, and again, I haven't read the details. So I'm speaking right. Out of I haven't even read, uh, I will read Ronan's article. I haven't yet, but like, I, just I hate to sound fun. selfish, but I hope that she takes some time off and realizes that she wants to release what she wants to release and do what she wants to do. And give us like a true good Britney, you know, on her terms. Maybe, yeah. it'll, no, maybe I, it'll be I a gospel agree. album. Maybe, maybe. It'll be a gospel album. I agree. I, with I, that, I, I think there's a couple of it. things that just that just can get forgotten in this kind of stampede, and and that is that you know, I think that um, there's this idea that oh well, why is she in a conservatorship if? How come she's not capable of looking after her own affairs if she can provide for a whole variety of people if exactly. she can work? I, I think yes, but Blake, I'm sorry, I just think that is a ridiculous argument. I think that you know, one of the things when we did our documentary and she said it straight out was like, you know, she said it's like I'm both bipolar. It's like I love to perform and on the stage I'm this this different person and I love it. And she is confident and free and loves being on the stage. And then off the stage, she's quiet and introverted and shy and retiring. She herself knows she's two different, two different people. And I do believe that, that working and, and performing has given her not only joy, but has also given her a structure in her life. But and I'm not, think... I'm not taking a side in this, right. but I, I just think that in now... everybody's rush to judgment and free Britney, right. it's like, it's and more, that's... as Tom says, it's more complicated than right. that. Well, yeah, say, that's but... probably I mean... very. A lot of people, a lot of, I feel like a lot of the female or probably male performers too say that like Beyonce has, is Sasha Fierce. She said when she's on stage, she loves it. And when she's off, she's not. So, I mean, maybe that's just a a person, you know? Yeah. But that's, I'm sure true what you're saying, Fenton. And there's so much more. It's about multi-millions of dollars and what that does to people. It's about a family dynamic, which you don't have to have any money, and family dynamics are like, woo, (laughs) hard to deal with. So God bless Brittany. I hope hope better days are coming for her. I I couldn't agree more. And I I definitely think we're probably going to talk about this again, and I definitely think there's more twists and turns along the way. But like you, I hope for a happy ending, because right now it's profoundly complicated, and and overall, I think, sad for everybody, actually. Um, I don't... I know there's a desire to find villains in this and to blame people, but I actually think this may be a story where there aren't villains. It's just people with good intentions and it's complicated. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I've gone on enough about it. Um, Try Grace Espana. Brand new episode is out now on Sunday on where presents plus um, and on the actress player premium in Spain. Um, yeah. Have you got a question for us, Blake? I do. Um, it's a birthday question. 
This woman is a former groupie of Echo and the Bunny Men, um, you know, the 80s band, British band. Uh, she's a mother and a rock star in her own right who's had to face a lot of hate, but but a whole lot of love, too, at least for me. Who is she? And it's her birthday? Today's her birthday. Okay. Well, happy birthday, whoever you are. We'll reveal the answer after the break. You're listening to Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and Blake. And James St. James has a well-deserved, earned, hard-earned week off. Um, <laughs> so, Blake, what was, the, what was the question? It's a birthday question. This, mm. this lady was a former groupie of the New Age 80s Brit pop band Echo and the Bunny Men. She's a mother, and she's a rock star in her own right, who's had to face a lot of hate. But she's also gotten a whole lot of love, too, at least from me. Who is she? Hey. Is I it don't Courtney, know. Courtney Love? It's Courtney Love. Happy Courtney birthday, Love. Courtney Love. Courtney Love is in Echo and the Bunnyman? Well, she was a fan. She was um, a groupie. She was a groupie. She used to follow around the lead singer, like, before she met Kurt. Well, how about that? Happy birthday, Courtney Love. Love her. Number seven, Tom. Number seven. Headline this week, the passing of the great director Richard Donner, um, who is known for many, many movies. Uh, maybe the most uh, profound is he did the original Superman in the 70s with Christopher Reeve. He directed. Um, he directed it. Mm-hmm. He also uh Directed the first R-rated movie, maybe the second R-rated movie I ever saw as a teenager. Went with my brother and his girlfriend, Jody, and he directed The Omen. It was Gregory Peck and Lee Remick, and it's about Satan, and he has 666 on his head. And he's like the little Damon, you know, he's just taking over, and you don't want to believe it. There's a shot in that that just blew my mind as, as, a, as a kid, where Lee Remick, who was beautiful 70s, and like, cream colored cowl necks you know cashmere sweater those 70s pants that were polyester that had a pleat that would go all the way to the with the bell bottom at the floor beautiful honey blonde hair and she's in this beautiful house they live in she's standing she's like watering a, a potted plant on a stool next to the railing of their sumptuous entranceway and little damon is just riding his bike and riding his trike and riding his trike and you just see him crash into her and then it's just an aerial shot of the floor of the entranceway from this front, you know, from above the second floor. And first you see the water jug she was, was uh, carrying go slow motion down breaks. And then followed by Lee Remick in beautiful crumpled and killed by little Damien. Anyway, I, I, and, and and those movies meant so much for me, Superman, the movie with, can you read my mind? and Margot Kidder, and how beautiful Christa Reeve was. And someone said it was the movie that believed, uh, it was advertised, you'll believe a man can fly. And I was just so corny about it, but I can remember the the, the air conditioning and the theater and the popcorn and how lush, and it was a John Williams score, and just how amazing it was. It was part of that whole blockbuster beginning. of. of You're so right. It was seen as a state of the art. That was the tagline, that it was like, you believe so a man can fly. Incredibly, the visual effects were so special, right? Yes. I remember seeing it too, yeah. Christopher Reeve, of course, has a special place in my heart. He also directed Goonies, which I've never seen. 
Oh, sorry. That's a, a classic of my generation. I remember it, it was I Goonies. Had, uh, okay. but, but other people love it. Yeah. So. And and then he went on to direct Lethal Weapon, which forgetting what you think about you-know-who, Lethal Weapon was a sexy-ass 80s comedy adventure. It kind of helped define the genre. There's been three of them. He directed them all. Um, and then as a producer, excuse me, Quick question. Is that when they pull a house off the side of the hill? Yes. That's so great, right? They There's get that the house. Yes, it was, house and- it's oh. when you would show up for stunts. Like, this is the best movie right. I've ever seen. And there is this, it's, it's, it's off of uh, Mulholland. And it's, it's like a, it's like a, a round house and it's still there, but they, you know, they filmed in that house and then they, you know, did a dummy and pull, had, had it, had it pull off. Um, uh, and, and then there was there was as producers he and his wife produced the X Men series which have grossed like two point five billion dollars. Yeah. Um, but but then I and, and researching there's two things two TV credits because he was he started started off as a journeyman director working on all the sixty like Gilligan's Island and Wild Wild West and all that kind of stuff. But he also directed the famous William Shatner ec- uh, episode of the Twilight Zone, which was Nightmare at Twenty Thousand Feet where William Shatner thinks there's someone, there's a man on the wing of the plane. Have you ever seen this? I've heard of it. Oh, it's horrifying. It's like William Shatner just freaking out. It's like, there's a man on the wing of the plane. It's like, no, there isn't. Um, and but last but not least, what's that? Is there a man on the wing of the plane? Well, you have to watch. <laughs> I think the plane crashes. but they And they remade it for the movie. But the last thing is, and I worked indirectly with Richard Donner. When I was at HBO, he also was one of the, the A-list directors that founded Tales from the Crypt, which was one of the first hit series on HBO that I worked on a long time ago. And that was also incredibly successful and off of the comic books. And I, I don't know, I didn't think that Richard Donner would mean a lot to me, but when I started reading about Superman and The Omen and Lethal Weapon, and those were when when the movies really mattered, I tell oh, you, no, so they really were something. When the movie, they don't make them like that anymore. So Richard Donner rests in perfection. Well, they don't they don't make them like that because it's all green screen, you know. Like yeah. because it, it, you'll believe a man can fly, but there's no there's no bar anymore to being able to do. You, you can see and do anything and everything in the movies, which right. sounds like an old fart complaining, but it's it's not. It's just it's just a different. It's just, it's just different. It's different. Exactly. Uh, number six. Number six. I want to self-promote. I want to talk about Catching. Actually, I'm not really self-promoting, um, but it's a series Randy and I directed. It's called Catch and Kill, the podcast tapes, and it's on HBO Max, and it starts on Monday, Monday the 12th of July. Um, it's a six-part series, um, half-hour episodes, and basically... It tells the story of how Ronan Farrow reported, investigated, and managed to publish the story about Harvey Weinstein. And of course, the Harvey Weinstein story is so important because in a way it triggered the, the Me Too movement. Um, and what's, what's really sort of interesting, I think, about this is that, you know, he wrote this amazing book. Well, first of all, he wrote this amazing feature in The, in the New Yorker that first, you know, accused Harvey Weinstein of raping people. It, it had previously been reported in the New York Times, but that was just harassment. It wasn't rape. That was, a, that was the big difference. And then having broken this story in the New Yorker, he then wrote a best-selling book called Catch and Kill. And then he did a podcast. And so HBO came to us at the start of the pandemic and said, 
you know, we taped these interviews. We filmed the interviews Ronan did for his podcast. Do you think you can do anything with them? And we said, oh, well, let's take a look. So they sent us these interviews. And oh, my God. I think it's one thing to read something or even hear something. But then to see someone describing being raped or assaulted and to see them, it's, it's upsetting. I mean, you know, it's, it's enormously impactful. To, but to see it, you know, when Rose McGowan pauses in the podcast, it's sort of just dead air. But when you're sitting there and you're seeing her and the trauma is literally playing like a movie in her head, it's, it's profoundly shocking. And so we were like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. And it really does. It, the series begins with this woman, Amber Gutierrez. And very long story short, the New York police, after she, uh, Harvey assaulted her in his office, she went to the police and the police said, will you wear a wire for us? And she said, sure, I'll do that. So she met with Harvey Weinstein. She's wearing a wire and she got it. She got him on tape. And you would think that would be the end of the story, right? They would arrest him, they'd put him on trial, he'd go to jail, end of story. Oh, no, that is not, it's the beginning of the story. Because first, they, they nothing happened. They, um, went, once Harvey Weinstein knew that he'd been caught on tape, suddenly all this stuff started appearing in the press about Amber's past and how she was a, an escort, which, by the way, she was not. But this sort of smear campaign, ultimately the DA's office didn't press the charges, didn't bring any charges. Harvey Weinstein believed the tape had been destroyed. And it is only, it is only because Amber herself used her iPhone in addition to wearing a wire. She gave the wire to the police, but she also had the presence of mind to set her iPhone to record. She had her own copy of the wire. And it was only because of that that the story ever came out. And so that's how it all begins. And it goes from there. And I have to say, Ronan did an amazing job. And it was a, such a, this is a story that people had been trying to break for decades. Because, yeah, it was an open, everyone knew Harvey Weinstein was a bully. But less known was the fact that he was a rapist. And it took years for Ronan to get this story out. And NBC was going to, lead with it and then they dropped it again Remember. because of Harvey Weinstein's influence and power and eventually it came out in the New Yorker and so that's a six part series that's on HBO Max um, and, and you I may see someone's, you may see someone's arm in one of the reenactments yes you may Blake <laughs> Is, do you know are they dropping all six at once or are we going to no get they're doing two at a time so it, which is actually I think two half hours is the new is the new yes. thing right Six is too many, one's not enough. Two right. is mm, perfect. It's like a little binge. Yeah, you know. Yep. So that's, that's yeah, coming up. So number five. Number five. Well, um, shitty outcome for a big show over at NBC. I don't know if you guys have heard the news. Their show, Ultimate Slip and Slide, has been canceled. They only had five days left of shooting due to dot, 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 explosive diarrhea. Yeah. Diaria, in fact. It's a slip and slide show. So there's a lot, like a big set with like, I mean, the pictures that go along with this 
make it look like it's the Hershey Highway Fudge Factory machine, which I don't think it is. But it's yeah, it's a reality competition take on Whammo's iconic '60s outdoor game in which contestants compete in a series of challenges on the gigantic slippery slide, including human pong, body bowling, cornhole, cornhole, <laughs> Baki fall, and more. So, and then the winner, you know, does the big. The slip and slide, oh, yeah. right? Which yeah. is like a muddy, like a muddy slide, and you slide down it. No, well, the original slip and slide was just—it's a piece of plastic with holes, sort of like, like almost like an air mattress that doesn't have any air in it. But one side has holes in it, and then you hook up your hose, so it's kind of just has water on the top of this thing. You'd put it on your ground, on your lawn, with rocks and things underneath. And then as a, as a child, as an unsuspecting child, you would throw your, your, your frail body onto the ground, basically, and slide across this thing. It was fun, but I didn't, I remember being like five and flexible thinking, this isn't good for my knees. Well, by this the time good. it came to my generation, we had a little bump with a pull at the end that you fall, oh. fell into. <laughs> oh, Even classy. if you put uh, baby oil all over it, you went way faster. Where does the diarrhea come into this equation? Well, they don't know, but up to 40 crew members fell violently ill. A source of knowledge told, um, said that it was an awful explosive diarrhea. It led to people collapsing on set and being forced to run into porta potties. It's just the association of slip and slide and diarrhea. It's so bizarre yeah. and like apparently it was one, a very expensive set, like something of ten million dollar set or something. When you're slipping in a slide and then you, you know, but forty people at once, I, there weren't forty porta potties. No, so some people made it to the porta potties, some people did not. And and it's not only that they've had to close production; they've had to abandon the entire set. I mean, yeah. it's like because I think the the bacteria is in the mud around the slip. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing is so positively disgusting. You know, there's a there's a water park in Palm Springs and with a very steep slide, and they yeah. tell you when you go down it to cross your legs. And I was like, well, why would you cross your legs? Well, I can tell you why because if you don't cross your legs. <laughs> Water goes right up your butt at an extraordinary velocity. So I just think this slip and slide is basically, it's a shit show in the most literal sense of the word. That slip and slide must have been coated with well, diarrhea and poo. Of they were betting a lot of money on this. It was supposed to premiere right after the closing ceremony of the Olympics. <laughs> it was supposed to be an Olympic show. Yeah. Now the Olympics are a shit show and so is the after show. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Well, let's take a break. A bathroom break. Wake <laughs> you got a question for us? I do, I do. Um, this one's a little a little more summer trivia. I asked you a couple of questions last week. What summertime smell is said to elicit happy memories in humans? Summertime smell. Mm, the smell of that slip and slide is <laughs> uh, <laughs> We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and Blake. James is off this week. Um, yeah, what was the question, Blake? I asked, which summertime smell is said to elicit happy memories in humans? Now, I don't know where this came from, but I found it on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> I'm just going to say, speak for myself, I don't think this is the right answer, but... um. 
copper tone suntan lotion. That's a good I'm gonna one. say um, freshly cut grass. I mean, it doesn't make me happy, but I just assume that's must. Yeah. I mean, somebody's cut the grass and you didn't. <laughs> well, Fenton, you're our big winner because that is exactly right. Oh my God. Yeah, oh. I used to. Um, Gap used to have these four scents when I was in like middle school, and I used, I loved Alm, which smelled like fallish, and I loved grass, and it smelled just like fresh cut grass. And I used to douse myself in it. Mm. Gorgeous, just getting summary thinking about it. Number four. Number four. I came here to talk about Miley Cyrus's Pride special airing currently on Peacock. Unfortunately, I never got to watch it. (laughs) Shouldn't stop you from talking about it. No, and I didn't like it, and I'll tell you why. No. Um, (laughs) um, She actually called us and and said, would we help her with it, Uh, John, Polly, and I? But we were busy doing another show. But um, I didn't get to see it. I've seen clips of it, you know. It, it, the she wear it's sort of like a drag race episode because I think every number she's wearing something new, and she wears mm-hmm. like a share outfit and she sings uh, "Believe." And I have seen the cut with her, and it's so neat. And I think Jaden Dior Fierce and a bunch of other drag queens. I mean, Miley is this incredible. She is a drag queen. She's not a drag queen. She's so much more, but she's so comfortable and so in love with drag, and she supports drag race. But it also, it just, I think, it informs her life. Like I think she literally takes the freedom of self expression uh, from drag and just brings it into her life. Hmm. What I have seen from beginning to end, which is, is uh, sort of tidying me over until I see the special, is she has a residency or something in Vegas, and she, along with Kylie Sonique Love who was from season two of drag race and is currently on all stars, uh, all star six on Paramount plus. Um, um, she, uh, uh, Miley performs American woman, you know, the song American woman, stay away from me with Siley with, okay, to fix this with, 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 with Kylie, Sonique love who knew it would be so hard. Miley, Kylie, um, doing like this intense, she has this like man suit on and hat and she whips off the jacket and she just has suspenders over her nipples. And Sonique, if you haven't seen, has this incredible body. She's a trans woman as well as a drag queen. And she is dancing and doing splits. And and and, and Miley is, is on her and dancing and in between her legs. And they're singing a song, American Woman. And she goes, this is the American woman. And it is the most exotic, erotic, a, a, a female empowering trans empowering like three minutes you'll ever see it's just i've watched it like five times and i will watch it 20 times more have you seen I, it i haven't seen it but i really want to i remember we were going to watch it but i had a few too many drinks and i wanted to be clear-minded <laughs> well that's miley cyrus presents stand by you on peacock that's peacock but this is a this is a youtube clip from that's just from her Vegas show this past weekend. So Miley's everywhere. Oh, 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 Kylie Sonique Love is with her everywhere. I think she, I think she's calling Kylie Sonique Love her drag mother. And oh, where, I love where that. Is Vegas residency at? I don't know. I'm seeing her at Austin City Limits in October. Miley, I maybe saw Miley will be there too. Um, well, I end up. I'm seeing Trixie Mattel at the same uh, festival. She's at Austin City Limits. Oh, marvelous. When is that? October 8th, I believe. 
All right, number three, old news. Number three, the bikini turns seventy-five. You know, the bikini is the, the bikini actually has a birthday, and it was fifth of July, nineteen forty-six. A lot of things happened in nineteen forty-six. You know, uh, Robert Maplethorpe was born. Uh, McDonald's launched. Um, George W. Bush was born. I mean, it's like sort of a weird. I don't know what happened in nineteen forty-six, but it was a year. Um, Post-war, post-war, post-war. And the bikini. And the weird thing about the bikini is, you know, the ancient Romans, they had the the ladies, when they were exercising, wore little tiny fabric strips up here across their titties and across their groin area. But, of course, with the Victorians, everything got covered up and women were carted into the water in bathing machines, uh, like microwave machines. (laughs) And um, apparently in World War II, rationing just started to sort of reverse the excessive amount of fabric used in bathing wear. Uh Um, And there were two pieces. You were allowed to wear a two piece, but the Hayes code in movies forbade the exposure of the navel. So, right. Um, But this, I never knew about the bikini. This is to me jaw dropping. So in this post-war period, you got the atom bomb, right? And hot women were called bombshells. Um, and you would say, oh, no, she's atomic, right? And, and of course, the U.S. was testing atomic weapons. And you might have heard of Bikini Adol, which was this island where they did a lot of nuclear tests. Yeah. That's where the name Bikini comes from, from what? Bikini Adol, from the nuclear tests. Because it was like literally four days after that test, that this French designer, Louis Réard, launched the bikini, a scandal. And <laughs> I, I, I love the fact it was called after bikini at all because the way women were described as hot was as bombshells or nuclear or atomic. I, who knew? I am just so excited about this discovery. Well, and it sounds like teeny weeny. And it goes with bikini, so... Teeny weeny yellow dot polka dot bikini. That was the number one hit in 1960. Yeah. All this information I owe to the amazing Stephen Rutledge, who writes for the WOW Report. And you can read a much more articulate and fuller description, History of the Bikini. Related to that a little bit, you know, because in in World War II, mostly men soldiers, there were women too, but they, the bombers were men, and they would often paint, name their, you know... uh, uh, and paint like movie stars. And I think um, Rita Hayworth, the bombshell, Rita Hayworth, was painted on and maybe on one of the nuclear bombs that was dropped. And she was horrified to find out, you know, later in life. You know, obviously, she was a great pinup girl for the troops. And they and it was a, out of respect and love and, and whatever. But she was just horrified that she was, you know, associated forever with uh, the Yeah, that's terrible. Terrible. So that's a, a short history of bikini. By the way, I... <laughs> Uh, and, and let's not forget uh, Raquel Welsh's fur bikini oh, yeah. in one million years BC, which is it is the fur bikini. That's the only thing anyone ever remembers about the film. So yeah. there you go. All right, Blake, what have you got for some number three? No, number two. Number two. Number two. If you're watching this on YouTube, pause this right now and look up the official trailer to the movie Pig. You can find it on the Wow Report. Um, just type in worldofwonder.net slash Radio Andy. Click the top post that corresponds with today's show. And Will you say the name of the movie again, Blake? Because I love your accent. Pig. Pig. 
Yes, watch the movie Pig. Watch the trailer Pig. Okay. For our listeners on Radio Andy, I'll set the scene. (laughs) It starts with classical music, and a Mm. scruffy elder man whistles to his pig in his rundown cabin out in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. The pig comes running. They wander through the woods looking for truffles, we find out. As one does. Yeah. He, um, then one night they're all nestled into their cabin and there's a burst at the door. The camera cuts to a man beating up on the floor and he's going, <sighs> trying to whistle to his pig. <laughs> then cut to a black card with Academy Award winner, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> then the next shot looks as if a man is looking out of a cave or a car or something. And he just says, I'm looking for a truffle pig. <laughs> I, it, this this came on when I was seeing Zola last night. And the entire movie theater burst into laughter whenever he said that. And this isn't supposed to be a comedy. It's not a comedy, but it, it, it was funny. But it was also disturbing because in those few seconds, I formed a real bond. I loved that pig. I fell in love with the pig. And I suddenly, I mean, deep anxiety about the fate of the pig and <laughs> something horrible has happened. Yeah. And well, you know that the pig owner is not going to put up with it. Something, this is a dark movie about a truffle pig. Well, there were two times that the movie erupted, the, the theater erupted into laughter and the last, at the very end, he says, who has my pig? <laughs> so yeah. this is a great moment where the, the restaurant I, guy says, you need to get another pig. Yeah. But, but I bet you, Blake, it's going to be a big hit. And I bet you it's, I get it. I think it's really scary. And I, Oh, you think? I think it might be a big hit, but only like how people went to see Snakes on a Plane, <laughs> you know, and it kind of like became a big hit. Or, or Cats. You think the, the Truffle Pig is the new Cats? I don't know. I mean, it's hilarious because in the thing, you're led to believe that he was once a famous chef who was so broken down by the industry that he just lives alone with his truffle pig, you know, and then someone steals it. I didn't know this, but my bestie Steven said that it was basically John Wick, but with a pig. Have y'all seen John Wick? Of course, yes. Yeah, so. I I have two observations. One is you reminded me how much I miss people laughing at the trailers at the movie. Yeah. There's nothing more fun than when people just rip apart, in LA, rip apart a trailer to make fun of it. But I watched it online because you sent it to me, the link. And I think, I'm with Fenton that I think I think they chose to market it like a crazy The Pig movie, but it looks like it might actually be an interesting story, but you're lured to it through, because every how do you make a dent these days? You have to make something seem kind of really camp. And- well, I just love that Nicolas Cage is like at that point of his, his career where he's just like, fuck it, I'm making whatever movie I want to make now, and I'm making Pig. And you can find out if you really like it this weekend because it drops, uh, no, next weekend, July 16th. But we were just singing the praises about A24 and how they make only cool movies. So, you know, it's well, bound to be super cool. Right? It can be, but, they, you know, everyone misses every once in a while. Nobody's <laughs> right, perfect, as right. Anna Montana says. There was a, you know, there was a documentary that came out last year, I think, for uh, Oscar consideration called The Truffle Hunters. And it was about... It was about 
truffle hunters and their truffle pigs. And it was very moving. <laughs> and... I think maybe it's just that Nicolas Cage is in it. And I just kind of think he's a joke now. No. Not after they see his work in Pig. Right. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to Pig. Truffle farmer. Pig. <laughs> All right. Is there a connection between slip and slide and uh, the explosive <laughs> diarrhea and the truffle pig? Does it all like there is it was now. filmed is on now. an old pig farm? All right. All right. Um, we're going to take one more break. And then when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go. Wow. wow. You're listening to World of Wonders. Wow. Report things that make us go. Wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and Blake, um, and James's spirit is hovering above us, I feel. <laughs> so, um, okay, what, what is number one this week? Number one. Especially during the Trump years, forgive me for saying his name out loud, you know, we would complain a lot, number one, about how we know we're falling back and America's not as great as it used to be. Well, finally, we have a story about progress, about uh, gay rights moving forward, and, and Blake has the details for us, Blake. Well, um, I'm just reading on, I was reading on TMZ the other day and I saw. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to make it so classy. Now you're <laughs> referencing TMZ. Keep going. Hey, TMZ is a reputable <laughs> news source. Okay. Um, they are saying that NBC has finally gotten like the, all the complaints from, well, you know, when Little Nas X performed on the BET, he kissed a man and there was an uproar all over the internet. Uh, even probably, uh, I'm sure they talked about it on The View and The Talk and the whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, you know how many FCC complaints they actually received? Three. One, two, three. That's it. I think that's amazing. And one or maybe they're just lazy, lazier now. I don't know. Yeah. Where, where are those Christians, those, those crazy Christians when you need them? And I, I heard that two of the three calls were from uh, Lil Nas X's exes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I have been living for Lil Nas X's tweets, you know, and his clapbacks. Um, some guy said, you doing too much, dog. Be gay. Nobody folding you for it. It's the demonic shit you got going. And <laughs> Lil Nas X replied, I've already moved on past my satanic era. I'm in my King Tut era now. You'll need to leave the past in the past. <laughs> um, and um, some other guy said, oh, you guys watching that shit, bro, it wasn't cool. We all know you gay, but damn, chill that gay shit out. And he says, that's not my problem. Stop letting your kids watch the BET Awards. Put on some Cocoa Melon. He's yeah, so good. I mean, he's he's just so fat. He just takes them all on and just like, yeah, um, amazing. Funny um, enough, interesting little fact. Managed by Adam Lieber is the manager, same manager as Miley. Yes, so, and I feel Miley and Lil Nas X are sort of two peas in a disruptive pod. Well, you like know, that. Miley's dad was on his monster hit, uh, Old Town Road. Old Town Road. Yeah. 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 Well, and just for comparison, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's Grammy performance of WAP and J-Lo and Shakira's Super Bowl halftime, remember yep. that? They each received more than 1,000 FCC complaints. Well, that doesn't speak well for women, poor women out there having to well, like, no. meet right. different standards. Yeah. Maybe but people were... just recognize the FCC doesn't do anything anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... I guess that's all we got time for. 
but it's been so much fun. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Blake. Lovely to see you both. Uh, same time, same place next week. I'll be here. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow.